Hey guys, what is up? It is Wednesday, the first Wednesday in March. It is March fourth, uh, two thousand and twenty. Yes, it is uh, two thousand and twenty. Um, as we speak right now, today it is about ten fourteen a.m. I've been up since about. I would say a little after six, six thirty, if you will. And um, yeah, I've been, you know, ever since. I've been, uh, like I said, I've been up ever since. But I'm here to talk about a variety of topics. Yes, we have a variety of topics we want to get into here. Uh, a lot of them are intriguing, there's no doubt. I'm pretty sure you'll all be talking about them. Um, but anyway. Anyway, though, like I said, we got a lot to uh, talk about here. So with that in mind, as I am looking over some of the things here that I'm going to probably have to remove to make some more, uh, make some uh, room, if you will, easy for me to say, um, let's see, take that out. Like I say, to make uh, some room, I'll I link it up to some other places there we go but anyway as I'm linking this up to several places here so everybody can get a chance to watch yes we have not six not eight we have ten topics to uh, discuss right now. In fact, one of the topics I should change it over to, but maybe I'll just do a separate video on that is the PlayStation 2. We'll talk about that probably in a separate video. But anyway. Anyway, though, we are here to do 10, talk about 10 topics that I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear my thoughts on, and those 10 topics, as we get ready to get into it, are, let me get a drink of coffee here, already had some cereal, so I'm pretty good, some Apple Jacks, if you know what I mean, if you're an MLP fan, <laughs> the 10 topics we're going to talk about are the presidential election, yes, presidential election 2020, mostly um we're just going to touch upon it real briefly, not, not really get too much into it. Basically talk about who I think it's going to really be between. Um, yesterday, of course, was Super Tuesday. We didn't go out and vote or anything, though, because the main voting is in November. So, yeah, we'll be um, casting our votes then for who we want to see in the White House. So I will touch upon that first. Then the second one will be 
a discussion, a little bit of talk on the new upcoming DC original animated movie or the DC uh, original animated universe movie, Justice League Apocalypse War or Justice League Dark. I should change that up probably in just a bit. Uh, but yeah, Justice League Apocalypse War or Justice League Dark, as it's known, Apocalypse War. We're going to talk about that. The third one we're going to talk about is Will My Little Pony Friendship is Magic get a complete series set released on DVD and Blu-ray? We will get into that. The fourth topic we will talk about will be will WrestleMania be broadcast on another streaming service or platform other than the WWE Network? That's been going around. People have been talking about the possibility of that happening. Uh, number five, we will talk about uh, the fifth topic, I should say, we will discuss is if given the chance, could fans, hardcore and casual, do a better job uh, booking and creatively than WWE's current staff? The reason I want to talk about this is because there's a lot of folks uh, that I follow on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and other places that feel just by the words they speak uh, or they write up or type up. Uh, that they feel they can do a better job. Uh, hold on for a sec. Wrong number there from Rio Linda. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, what I was saying, oh, yeah. The fifth one, basically, the fifth topic we're going to talk about is if given the chance, could fans, hardcore, or ca hardcore and casual, do a better job uh, booking, uh, booking, and creatively than current WWE's current staff. Because, like I was saying, uh, there's a lot of people that you know that I follow on online that believe they just by the wording that they speak or type up that they they basically feel, in my opinion, they could do better. So we'll get into that. Uh, number six is something that a lot of people have been talking about over the past several years, from John Campa to Zero Nizarak. And that is, is physical media coming to an end in favor of streaming service, uh, in the favor of streaming slash digital? Uh, then the seventh topic we will talk about is the upcoming crossover, Transformers and My Little Pony, Friendship in Disguise, uh, from IDW Comics and Hasbro, and what could come of it, and why some people... Don't get why it's happening at all. Yes, there are, that, there are people that don't get it. Uh, number eight, we will talk about the Tangled series finale. We'll get into that. Apparently, that's gotten a lot of positive reviews. Uh, number nine, we will talk about Team Season. That's S-E-A numeral three O-N. That's right. It's spelled S-E-A S -E -A three numeral, numeral three, number three O-N. And their connection to the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base. And then finally, the last topics we will talk about is a goofy movie and the 1990 TMNT movie celebrating huge anniversaries this month or along this timeline. So anyway, that's pretty much what we will be discussing here uh, live as we speak. So anyway, without further ado and, you know, Without any more stalling, let's get into the first topic, which, of course, is the presidential election. And uh, basically, uh, like I said, which is the presidential election. And basically, um, 
the what came out of Super Tuesday uh, yesterday. So, as I uh, fix this for a second. So, what came out of Super Tuesday uh, yesterday, the presidential election? What came out of it? Well, apparently, three names are pretty much, I believe, the main focal point here. Those being, uh, those being, of course, president, the current president, Donald Trump, on the Republican side, and then on the Democratic side, it is uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders that are, um, you know, running for president, that are running against each other on that side of things, on the Democratic side of things, to go against Trump come November. Now. The thing is, right now, it is, without a shadow of a doubt, a three-man race. Now, there are others. Um, there are others, uh, basically, uh, in the running still, those that have not yet uh, dropped out. And, uh, But, honestly, no one's really talking about them right now. The three names that they are talking about, like I said, our current president and the through and the two democratic top nominees to go against him come November to see who gets elected into uh, into office. And honestly, folks, it's really it's really intriguing uh, exactly uh, what is going on here uh, with this election. You know, obviously the Democrats, they want to have a strong – obviously the Democrats don't really care, um, you know, who they get in there. Obviously they just want somebody to get Donald Trump out of office. They want him gone. Um, You know, there is no doubt about that. They want him out of uh, office. They want him gone because they feel he is a – poison to um, uh, to the presidential uh, seat that he now that he currently occupies so you know though you know they are pulling for whoever gets in there um, but I honestly believe and again I'm not going to get too much into it um, I honestly believe this is going to be a, a three-man race but I know that that as close as we get to, um, uh, you know, the closer we get to uh, November, it's going to go from a three-man to a two-man race, possibly. And sorry, my thumb hit the mic there for a second. I'll hit the, hit the headset. So I know that – so we all know that's apparently going to be happening – uh, very, very soon. Soon, but the question is, who is going to be the one uh, that drops out? That is the uh, that is the question. Um, I don't know. I mean, it looks. I think honestly, if you were to compare the two Democratic 
uh, nominees, the two top ones right now, that being Sanders and Biden. I think, honestly, Biden, uh, just by the fact that he made a huge comeback in uh, some very important areas or states, regions, if you will, last night, that it definitely looks like Biden is probably going to be the more favored of the Democratic uh, Party because a lot of here's what here's what's crazy here's what's crazy uh, a lot of people have made comparisons, including a, a friend of mine I follow online, James Sullivan, uh, aka Hymitude. Uh, he made the comparison of what. Sanders is saying in his uh, speeches in all his campaign during his campaign, and he's comparing it to what to uh, similar things that Hitler himself brought up. Well, he's sharing a post that someone obviously shared with him or something, comparing the two, like saying, "Hey, you put Sanders in, you're basically giving us a, another Hitler," or something like that. So. There's going to be people that'll be like, yeah, we we see that and we don't really want that, you know, in office. We don't want that kind of person in office if they're going to be like the next coming of this individual, you know. So I think I think if you get down between the two, who who would be the first to drop out in favor of supporting the other? I think, honestly, it's going to be Sanders. I mean, I'm not saying that because he's older than Biden. Not saying that. I'm not saying that because he's more stricter, if you will, with what he wants to do. Or he's got that comparison to Hitler, according to some people. It's mostly because of the fact that Biden, you may not agree with a lot of the things he's saying, but Biden is more like, look. I'm going to basically give it my all if you give me a chance. Like he's he's not trying to act tough or anything. He's just being himself. So I think as we get closer to November, I think Sanders is going to be the one that, you know, ends his run, basically closes the book on it for now and gives his nod and approval to Joe Biden. I think I think that's what's going to happen. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But honestly think it's going to be Joe Biden going up against Donald Trump come November. So right now, though, it is a three a three man race. Be honest with you. It is a three three person race on a major visual uh, scale. Excuse me there. Uh, between Trump, Sanders and Biden. Um, but honestly, in my opinion, I, I think Biden will be the one that goes up against Trump because it's got to come down to one on one. Right. So the one I think that's going to, you know, go up. So I obviously believe the main event, the one on one presidential face off, if you will, or debate is going to be, you know, Joe Biden and Trump. I, I feel it. I, I don't know why. I just feel that's the direction they're going to be heading uh, as we get closer to um, uh, election election time um, in November. That's honestly uh, what I see um, happening. Um, 
as the as the rest of this year goes on and the rest of this presidential election, this race to the White House, if you will, rolls on, I think it's going to come down. I think it's honestly going to come down to Biden and Trump. I just I just feel it. So. So, yeah, so that's that's just my opinion, guys. I mean, if I'm wrong about it. You know, if I'm wrong about it, then, you know, I'm wrong. You know, I'm not I'm not going to stand here and be upset about it because, like I said, if I'm wrong, you know, I'm wrong. You know, uh, again, I'm not going to stand here and be upset about it. But I just feel that from a more believable standpoint, it's going to come down to those two. Because I think if anybody could really match word for word and give Trump a run for his money, it's going to be Biden. I'm not saying Sanders wouldn't do that or anything, but I think Biden is probably the more likable choice. I mean, if you go from a popularity standpoint on the Democratic side of things, he's the more popular choice. So, and I think, honestly, people will look at this guy and be like, yeah, this guy, I'd rather have this guy in office than than Sanders because, you know, he's not, he's not strict. You know, he's not like, oh, um, he's not similar uh, like, like with Hitler and everything. But again, like I said, I think the Democrats don't care who they get in there, honestly. They just want somebody, you know, they just want somebody to uh, be there to take down, uh, to take, you know, like I said, to take down, um, to take down Trump. That's what they want. They, they, they want him gone and they don't care who it's going to be that gets in there to do it. They just want the guy out of office uh, one way or another. And again, I think they'll be happy with whoever they get, whoever goes in. You know, even if it's not somebody they want, you know, they'll just be happy. Hey, at least, you know, Trump's not there anymore. You know, that that's pretty much what it is in the long end of things. So, So um, anyway, so anyway, that's pretty much what I see going on. That's pretty much the direction um, I see uh, the this election going the rest of the year. That I feel sooner or later, what's going to happen is you're going to have Joe Biden, uh, like I said, drop out. You're going to have him drop out, and he's not going to. Um, not Joe Biden, but Bernie Sanders is what I'm saying. Bernie Sanders, I feel, is going to be, you know, dropping out a lot sooner uh, than later. So I, that's that's what I believe. That that's what I feel is going to happen. And again, if I'm wrong about it, guys, I'm wrong. But I I don't think honestly I'm going to be wrong about that because I feel I feel it's the most likely scenario. I, I really do. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling that's what's going to happen. And, you know, it, it's just honestly, in my opinion, a more believable solution, um, because, again, I'm not saying Sanders couldn't give, you know, Trump a run for his money or anything. But I just believe that, honestly, uh, Biden is the more likely uh, candidate to 
to beat him. I'm just checking something here. Uh, to, to to beat Trump, or at least give Trump a run for his money more so than Sanders, because I think Trump will know how to count, counter Sanders um, every which way uh, he goes. So, you know, counter every argument Sanders tries to come up with, I think Trump will find a way to counter that, in my opinion. So, that that's what I believe. That's my honest opinion on it. Um, so, anyway... With that said, though, let's. With that said, let's get on to our next topic, which is about Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, Justice League Dark, and Sonic Hitch here saying Joe Biden will win. So that's his opinion. If that's who he believes will win, more power to him. Uh, but anyway, let's get on to our next topic, which is Justice League Dark Apocalypse uh, War which uh, the trailer was just released about a day ago. I saw the trailer. I think the trailer was released about a day ago, I believe. Let me check. It was released. Um, I hate these commercials here. <laughs> they always have to do commercials, don't they? Not that that's a bad thing. Not that that's a bad thing. Not that that's a bad thing, and you know why I'm saying that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I'm trying to see. Uh, two days ago. Okay, it was released two days ago. Now, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, uh, from what I've read, is the sequel to the first Justice League Dark movie. And according to Wikipedia, this is the 15th and final installment of the DC um, animated uh, universe movies, as far as we know. This is the final installment. Now, I don't know if that. Now, I don't know if that's somewhat true because the next movie they have is Superman: Man of Tomorrow. Now, I could understand maybe if, you know, Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War is like the last movie in the current regime, and that every movie that comes afterwards is going to be like a standalone thing, like a prequel or whatever. And if that's the case, fine. That's cool with me. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. Um, I don't think it'll be believable whatsoever. I, I really don't. I don't think it'll be believable in any shape, form, or fashion. So I still think we're going to get more movies down the line. I, I really do. And sorry, my finger hit the mic there again. But yeah, I honestly think we're going to get more movies uh, down the line. That's just my opinion. Um, and there's going to be more... Ju- I, I honestly believe we're going to get more Justice League Dark movies. I honestly think we're going to get more movies that continue with the current regime. Like maybe, you know, based on stories that we've seen before. Or, or that we've read before but now brought up to uh, the animation portion of seeing them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is scheduled to come out this spring, which I don't know if it's this month, the next month, or May. More than likely around Easter time, <laughs> believe it or not. And like I said, according to Wikipedia, this is the 15th and final installment of the DC Animated Universe original movies. Uh, before they, I think, start 
either adapting more stories into the films or whatever. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said, I don't think it's the end entirely. I think it's the end of this regime, like this chapter of it, but there's going to be more to come because like I said, you got Superman man of tomorrow, which is a prequel to Superman to Clark Kent becoming Superman or his progress of becoming Superman. So I look at the fact we'll get movies like that, but we'll also still get movies that tie into current story arcs um, as well. So, oops, hit the wrong thing there. Hold on. But yeah, I think we'll we'll get story arcs that tie into. Um, uh, what was that? I said. Uh, that will tie into the current story story time the current timeline in the comics um, as well. Now, some might say that the reason they're saying this is the fifth and fifteenth and final one is because of what's going on behind the scenes with DC and all that, and that might be true. I mean, in other words, it might be the final one for some time. Um, you know, uh, when it comes to these kind of stories, but I don't think it's the last one. Period. Because, like I said, you got Man of Tomorrow following that. And then you possibly got some other ones uh, as well. Now, um, just uh, looking at stuff here for a moment, kind of trying to focus on some other things. Well, I'm trying to focus on linking this uh, live stream to other places. Uh, But anyway, um, Justice League Apocalypse, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is uh, an R-rated movie. It's going to be R-rated. And its runtime is two hours and 15 minutes. Now, you might say, well, that's pretty long, right? Um, In a sense, it is. But The Dark Knight Returns combined uh, into one movie because that's what the Blu-ray Deluxe Edition did. Uh, um, the Sorry about that. But The uh, Dark Knight Returns, uh, like I say, combining the whole story into one, combines to around one, I'll put it this way, combines around almost three hours. I think it's around two hours and forty, two hours and 26 minutes. That's what it is, because it runs at 146 minutes, so it's two hours, 26 minutes. Uh, the longest, actually, is the recent Superman movies that they did. Not Red Sun, which just came out. Not that one. But the other Superman films. The Death of Superman and the Reign, and its follow-up, The Reign of Superman. Those are both combined uh, because they're basically the same story. The, the same continuity, if you will. Um, they run a combined together. Two out one hundred and sixty-six minutes, so two hours and forty-six minutes. So basically, uh, with the exception of Red Sun, the death and reign of Superman story arc, which was adapted into this, these two films, combined together into one film, is the longest of the DC animated universes or animated universe movies. The second longest being Dark Knight Returns, and now the third longest being this upcoming Justice League Dark um, Apocalypse War. Yeah, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Because the last Justice League Dark movie ran about 87 minutes. This is going to well exceed it. 
And you might ask yourself, well, why do they have to make it so long? It doesn't make sense. I, here's the thing. I don't think they know that I don't – well, that's a good question is what I'm trying to say. But I think the reason it's long is because it's a war. It's ba- And basically, like I said, this is the – according to Wikipedia, the last one of the current DC Animated Universe movies – or the current DC original animated universe movies uh, that they're doing uh, in this manner. So Apocalypse War obviously has to be a big, big deal. And I think if you watch some of the movies that they did previously to that, there's always been a connection like, okay, they're obviously building to something, but we don't know what. Because there are some of these movies that they've done that have a connection, have a continuity from one to the other. So... Obviously, it's leading to something, and it it's leading to this. Now, the reason it got an R rating, according to what the MPA said or put for it, is it's going to have bloody violence, it's going to have language, and it's going to have some sexual re- references. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting and intriguing uh, once that uh, is re- once that movie comes out in the next few months, either this month or next month or May at the latest. So anyway, anyway, though, um, what was I getting at? Oh yeah. I was just looking at something. Somebody just found a, um, My Little Pony toy, uh, a display, I think, in a McDonald's or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, getting, but anyway, finishing up here. Uh, the movie looks, obviously, just looking at the trailer, the movie looks good. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it. So, can't wait to see it. And uh, I am going to buy it. I have his uh, thing. If I look at my current listing of movies, I have most of them. I have most of the DC Animated Universe movies. Um, the only one I don't have right now is Superman Red Sun. And uh, that's about it. So I have to get Red Sun, and I'll be mostly up to date. There are a few I still got to get, but I'd be mostly um, up to date. But like I said, there are still some I still have to have to get. But anyway, anyway, yeah, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, the trailer, it's on IGN, it's on Emergency Awesome, I think it's on the WB uh, YouTube page and the DC YouTube page. Uh, Check it out, it looks really good. Um, And it definitely feels like it's going to be a crescendo, it's going to be a culmination of a lot of the Easter eggs and nods and continuity things that we got going from certain movies throughout this run. So, um, I say check it out. I think it looks good. And even though it's going to be a violent movie, yeah, I think it might be one. I think if this is the last one of the current crop, if you will, of DC animated original movies, then it definitely, definitely looks like it's going to go out with a bang. No doubt about that. So... So um can't wait 
I can't wait for the movie to come out. I will be buying it, by the way. I will be uh, buying it. So, with that said, though, with that said, let's move on to our third topic. And it's ironic that I'm linking this live stream and a lot of the My Little Pony Facebook group pages. Let's talk about will My Little Pony Friendship is Magic get a complete series set released on DVD and Blu-ray? Yes. So, in case you've been hiding under a rock, ladies and gentlemen, um, Friendship is Magic, the animated version of it. Not the comic book, but the animated version of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic officially ended on October 12th of last year. There is a spinoff that they got upcoming sometime in the next couple months, I would assume, called Pony Life, which I, I'll be honest with you, I think it's going to be along the lines of a lot of those Littlest Pet Shop-like shorts. You're getting a lot of those Super Monster Littlest Pet Shop-like shorts that you get in between that run for about 15 minutes at most. So I think it's going to be along those lines. Uh, it might be longer, but again, I think it'll be uh, along those lines. If it is a full series, a full episode, then that would be cool too. But I think Pony Life is most more than likely uh, more than likely going to be, um, uh, like I said, more than likely going to be a 15-minute like uh, series, just like Lilith's Pet Shop and uh, the Super Monster stuff is. It's like, you know, they're just there to kind of buy the time, if you will. Uh, but anyway, the question I think any fan has is, will it get a complete series set? And, you know, is it just going to be DVD or Blu-ray? I think, honestly, yes, it is going to connect. Yes, it is. Excuse me there. <laughs> yes, I do believe it is going to get a complete series set. Um, I believe that it will be on Blu-ray and not just DVD. And I think even it might get a 4K release, too. Now, you might say, well, what's taking it so long? Usually by now we get something. You know, that's a good question because we didn't get anything last year after season eight. <laughs> um, but I think we're going to get something really soon. I just don't know when it's going to be. I think the most likely scenario of any announcement being made will be within the next month at BabsCon, which takes place in Burlingame, uh, California, outside of San Francisco, in the San Francisco region, which is kind of in my backyard. And I wish... And I'm hoping maybe I can at least go for a day and see what it's like. Hoping one day. If not, then that's fine. Um, but yeah, you know, it's... Um, but yeah, it's uh, basically... I'm trying to see something here. But yeah, basically... Um, But, yeah, I, I basically feel that if we get any kind of announcement like that this year, it's going to be around BabsCon. It's going to be around BabsCon or um, San Diego Comic-Con. That, that's when I feel we're going to get it. 
That, that's when I feel we're going to get something that will be around BabsCon or San Diego Comic-Con is when we'll get some kind of announcement that we're going to be getting a complete series set. I, I really do. Because those are the two biggest events that uh, pony-wise you can get that kind of announcement from. And sorry, my, my finger hit the mic again. But I think those are the two biggest places you can get an announcement from when it comes to the series um, being released in some form or fashion completely on DVD or Blu-ray. And I also believe, like I said, I think it might even get a 4K release. I, I do. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm probably going to be wrong. But if I am, then, you know, it's okay too. But I, I feel that it is going to get a complete series set release. I believe it's going to get a complete series set release on DVD, Blu-ray, and possibly if they decide to go this route, uh, 4K. Now, you might say, okay, but what will it be like? Well, one person, and I don't know if you can still look this up, but one person actually marked, did a mock-up of what they believe a complete series set would look like from a Blu-ray perspective. And they basically said that from what they would, and basically from what they showed, they believe that not only will the Blu-ray, not only will the complete series set, you know, from a Blu-ray perspective, have all the episodes as well as the specials, but it will also include the movie. Yeah, it will include the 2017 movie. Now, Again, this is just a fan doing a mock-up of what they believe the complete series set would look like uh, once it's released onto uh, Blu-ray a um, down the line. Now, the, now, they could be right about it, but the only problem about possibly adding the movie is they would have to get permission from Lion Gates to do it because Lion Gates owns the, right to the, owns the rights to the movie because they distributed it uh, in theaters. So they'd have to get permission from Lion Gates, which I think would be okay for them to do that. And the reason I say that is because Shout Factory did release uh, the two-pack of both My Little Pony movies, the 86 and the 2017 one, recently on Blu-ray and DVD about a year or so ago. And, um, you know, obviously they were able to work something out with Lion Gates to do that. So I think that that could be a possibility, but again, it's a wait and see game. It's a game aim of wait and see uh, what happens. But I think the most likely uh, places for the announcement uh, would be um, BabsCon, which is Bay Area, which is short for Bay Area Brony Spectacular and Beyond, or San Diego Comic Con. Those are the only two places I think we'll get some kind of an announcement as to uh, what we'll get from a, a complete series uh, standpoint. Now, now, um, excuse me. Now, one might ask, okay, well, what else would be involved in it? What else could be added to it besides the episodes and maybe the specials and if possibly the movies or the movie itself? Well, I think, obviously, this is what I look at. I look at it this way from a legitimate standpoint. From a more legitimate, real standpoint, this is how I see the movie or the complete series being released on Blu-ray, DVD, and possibly 4K if they go with that as well. I see all the episodes being released. I see them being separated on Blu-ray by seasons. 
which means this could be a massive set or it could be an individual set. You got nine seasons, right? So I could see them taking something like season one, giving it its own disc. I can see them giving um, season two. I can see them having season two share a disc with season three because season three is pretty short. And then I could see them possibly having... Well, I I see I say it this way. Let me let me rephrase that. I see it this way: if we get a complete series set on Blu-ray and 4K and all that, I look at it this way: from a Blu-ray perspective, I could see seasons one till three being on one disc, four to six being on another, and seven to nine being on another. So I see a from a seasonal release uh, uh, point of view, I could see all nine seasons being compiled, uh, being compiled onto three separate Blu-rays. That's what I see. And then f- as far as like additional content, I can see a fifth disc compiled of Best Gift Ever and Rainbow Road Trip, as well as a Decade of, a decade of Pony, which is the behind-the-scenes uh, special they did uh, that tied in with the finale. Uh Back in October, I could see that. And then, of course, I could see for a fifth disc, I could see the movie. So that uh, from a Blu-ray and possibly 4K perspective, I see seasons one to three on one disc, four to six on another, seven to nine on another. That's three Blu-ray discs. And then I see um, the specials, Best Gift Ever, and Rainbow Road Trip, along with some of the shorts that they broadcast on YouTube um, as they got ready for season nine, I could see those being shown on, uh, being placed on a fourth disc. And then the fifth disc, I could see, um, I could see the movie is what I could see. So like I said, from a Blu-ray perspective, if we get a complete Blu-ray set release, seasons one to three on one disc, four to six on a second disc, seven to nine on a third disc, and then on the fourth disc, I can see all the animated shorts that they released on YouTube on the YouTube page. I can see Rainbow Road Trip and Best Gift Ever and a Decade of Pony, Decade of Pony, I should say, on a fourth disc, and then on a fifth disc we have the movie. So that's how I see it being released uh, as a complete set, complete series franchise set. So um, that's, that to me is probably the more, more believable direction they could go in for both a Blu-ray and if they decide to go in this direction, 4K um, release or format release. Uh, DVD-wise, I would say just you know multiply uh, the three disc by three more if you will, or at least by six more, if you will. So that's how I think we would get it. In other words, the DVD set would be bigger. The the DVD set would be complete, would compile of all the discs that we get for the seasons now, like the two discs that we get for each season, they would be compiled with the other two discs. So, yeah, you're looking at like possibly... Two, four, five, seven, nine, 
uh, 11, 13, uh, 15. You'd be looking at about a 17 disc set, 17 disc for the series, as well as bonus wise, you'd be having an 18th disc for, like I said, the specials, the Decade of Pony behind the scenes special, the shorts, and then the. Um, and then the uh, 19th disc you would have for uh, the movie. So you'd have basically compared to a, a five-disc Blu-ray and 4K release, you would have a 19-disc release for the um, DVD version of the complete series set. But again, that's how I see the movie. That's how I see us getting a complete series collection or series set released onto DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Like I say, Blu-ray and 4K, I could see overall a five-disc release. And DVD-wise, I could see a 19-disc release or 20-disc release at most. So that that's honestly what I see. And if I'm wrong about it, guys, you know, then I'm wrong. But that that's honestly what I believe we're going to we're going to get. Um but anyway. Anyway, though, with that said, let's get on to... But anyway, though, with that said, let's get on to our next topic. And the next topic is one that a lot of people have been talking about. And a lot of people feel that because of this possibility, there have been changes made to WrestleMania as we speak. And that is, will WrestleMania be broadcast on another streaming service slash platform? Now, in case you guys don't know what that means... Uh, recently in a conference call, uh, Vince McMahon discussed the possibility of selling the rights, the broadcasting rights of the major pay-per-views like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble, and whatnot, uh, to another streaming service, to another streaming service uh, to be brought to be showcased on. Now, of course, a majority of fans and uh, um, like I said, a majority of fans uh, were not too thrilled about this because it's like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this, poss- this possibly happen? Because a lot of fans are looking at the fact that if another streaming service, which one of them, is, one of them right now more than likely is ESPN, ESPN Plus, that is, you know, gets the rights, you know, gets the rights to, you know, showcase the pay-per-views. That they're going to do with the pay-per-views that they're going to do the same thing to the pay-per-views uh, that they're doing with the UFC and boxing. And that is on top of a monthly charge for the service, whether it's through the Disney plus package or it's individually that people would still have to pay on top of that an additional 69 or $59 for a wrestling pay-per-view, which right now they could get, for just around $10 on the WWE Network. So, again, the question is, will WrestleMania be broadcast this year on another streaming service and platform? And honestly, I don't think it will be. I'm not saying it won't. I, I would say this. I'd say that if the pay-per-views are going to another service, I would say WrestleMania will be the last one that WWE Network does. Because remember, 
WWE Network launched WrestleMania, which was, I think, WrestleMania 31, I believe, or 30. So it's only right that they end the current deal with broadcasting the pay-per-views on their service with WrestleMania. So they begin WrestleMania. It's only appropriate that if they're selling the, the rights, the broadcasting rights to another network, that they end with WrestleMania, the end of current run of live broadcast with WrestleMania. So I think we'll get WrestleMania on the network, uh, but it might be the last one we get until whenever. Um, so the question, so the question, but so the question is what streaming servers could end up getting it? Well, like I said, the most likely candidate right now is ESPN Plus, but there are other options. There's Amazon Prime, there's Hulu, um, there's uh, Netflix, you know, uh, there's Fight TV, if you will. Uh, There's a lot of options. But the most likely one right now is ESPN Plus. However, even if the pay-per-views go to ESPN Plus, it's not going to stop people from watching them, even if they don't like what's currently going on with the product. Because basically what it's going to do in the long run is it's going to cause people to go back to watching the pay-per-views they use, the way they used to, either by streaming them some way, somehow on their computer, or just adding the 69 or $59 or whatever it is to the cable bill to watch Mania. So, honestly, honestly, you know, despite how you feel, people are still going to find a way to watch it. But I also believe that if a deal is struck between ESPN and WWE for this to happen, that a part of that deal is that after the initial broadcast, that WWE Network 24 hours later, just like they would do with a SmackDown, just like, let's say, yeah, just like they would do with uh, certain events, like, well, not not them, but something like Hulu would do with SmackDown and all that, or something that they would do, that after 24 hours or a certain amount of time, they would get the pay-per-view on their network, just like it's always meant to be. Like, in other words, yeah, ESPN, you could air the pay-per-view live and charge whatever you're going to charge, but we'll get it on our network within the span of 24, maybe 12 hours, or even a few hours after it airs. That's what I believe is going to happen. Now, am I wrong about it? Probably. But I honestly believe guys this is just my opinion i honestly believe that that will probably be the most likely scenario the most and the you know and that being of course like i said wrestlemania being it'll still be broadcast live on the network but it'll be because hey the network started off with mania it's only right that uh its current deal with broadcasting the pay-per-views live ends with mania but I also think along the but I also believe that the deal they're going to sh- strike with whoever they get it with is going to be 
hey, you can air it live, but we get to have it back on our network within the span of a certain amount of hours. So fans that are paying the $9.99 or whatever can still watch it uh, without a problem. So, or without having to pay so much. So that's what I believe. That's that's what I believe is going to happen. I believe we're still going to get WrestleMania for at least one more year, uh, that being this year, broadcast on the network. Um, but I think the deal, if one is made between whatever service WWE chooses, that the deal is going to consist of them saying, hey, we want our pay-per-view on our network, but we'll let you air it live, but we get it afterwards, like maybe two hours, 12 hours later. So uh, so that's what I think possibly could happen if a deal is made, if a deal is struck. Now, on the other hand of things, I think this is also probably a ploy because, again, we haven't heard anything yet. And we have Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday as well as WrestleMania just around the corner after that. So we, so to me, if we haven't heard anything by now or won't be hearing anything going getting closer – I think, honestly, part of this, when one thinks about it, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but one person has to think that maybe it's a ploy. You know, despite how you feel about Vince McMahon, he's a smart businessman. When he gets down to it, he can be a very smart and shrewd businessman to where if he, may, well, he, where if he makes it public that he's considering selling the rights to the pay-per-views to other services, that's going to get people to come out and show how much they love having the pay-per-views on the network, thus showing that, hey, we still love the network. We still like having the network. And in that way, he'll just come out and say something like, yeah, I knew you guys were going to like, yeah, I knew you guys were going to say that. That's why the only decision we're making is raising the price up to $15.99 or $14.99 a month. And that's going to be about it. If that's if this whole thing's a ploy to get fans to show their appreciation for the network. Because again, you can't put you can't put anything past Vince, as people would say. You can't. But anyway, though, with that said, let's. Uh, but with that said, uh, I'm I would just go with my, what I traditionally say. I say let's wait and see what they do. All right. So the next topic we'll get into, and I'm going to take a bit of a break here, guys, for a second. But the next topic we're going to get to still concerns WWE, and it's about the fans being given a chance to write for them. So I'll be right back, guys.
Be right back, guys.
All right. Sorry about that, folks. I'm just going to make sure everything is adjusted here correctly. It is. But, yeah, on to the next topic. I had to take a bit of a break there. I also had to let my dog out because she wanted to get a little bit of sun, walk around in the backyard, if you know what I mean. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, just make sure everything's adjusted here. Okay. Uh, let's talk about our next topic here, and that is... Well, it's a question anybody would ask when they hear fans talk about this or kind of do the reviews or the rants or the events, event of frustration stuff. And that is, if given the chance, could fans, hardcore and casual, do a better job of booking and create, doing a, do a better job booking and creatively than WWE's current staff? In other words, could the fans that come out on social media, and I say this, say this with all due respect, could they do a better job than um, WWE is currently doing behind the scenes when it comes to creatively coming up with ideas and booking stars that they were, the way they feel they uh, should be booked? Um, so that is a – and hello, Wild Hops. Nice to see you in here as well. Uh, but yeah, that is a good question. In fact, that is a question that a lot of people would wonder. It's like, you know, they see someone like a, a JD from NY, a JD from an NY206 or just Alex, FKA Deluxe Man, or OTRS Central, Good Mike with Greg Morgan, or Solomonster, Solomonster Sounds Off, and the list could go on. You know, they hear them come on uh, on here onto YouTube, onto Twitter, onto Facebook, and they hear them rant and complain and, you know, just destroy verbally what WWE is currently doing. And they, and basically a lot of people would look at this and even through the counter arguments, uh, try to say, well, man, you know, taking this too out of proportion, you know, what if there's something more to it? Or what if this, what if that? And there are people, as I adjust my headset here, there are people that basically, uh, bas- basically will just look at this and be like, well, these people believe the company, the rest this wrestling company is doing such a poor job. What makes them think they can do any better? You know, that's what they, that's what some people look at. And as I was trying to say, as I was just adjusting my headset there, you know, when they counter argument or kind of counter what these people, what people like, let's say Alex are, put, are talking about, they're trying to tell them, look, man, are you, they're basically trying to tell them or even ask them in their own unique way when they try to counter argue it, that or anything that they feel is wrong, that being someone like a just Alex or a JD or whatever. Um, they'll counter-argue by saying, oh, really? So you work behind the scenes at WWE? You know what's going on there? Do you know uh, what's, you know, what it takes to plan all this out? You know, they would ask them. They would legitimately ask them that question. And basically, in their own way, they're pretty much asking these fans, these hardcore and casual fans to come out and discuss what they feel is wrong with WWE or what WWE is doing wrong and all that at with, you know, certain superstars and storylines, you know, they would ask them really. So are, so you work for WWE and 
you know, yeah, honestly, they would say, no, I don't. But, you know, it's ob- just by what, seeing what's going on, it's obvious. And that, I think, is where the question would get arose. But in their own unique way of asking it, um, well, if you had the chance, what would you do? Well, if you had the chance of WWE allowing you to book for like for one night, for let's say a Raw or a SmackDown or even a pay-per-view, just for one opportunity, if they give you if they gave you the ball and for that one time to run with it and allowed you to run with it, could you do a better job at booking uh, certain superstars a certain way? And could you be more creative, you know, from a storyline perspective? You know, that's basically what a lot of people would ask. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that work in a company like WWE, they they hear these people complain and they're probably thinking, well, they think they could do a better job, then why don't they come out and do it? I mean, I think this is why Road Dog, uh, Brian, J- Brian G. James, or Jesse James, if you will, got critical with a lot of fans at times. It's mostly the fact that he basically, in his own unique way, was like, well, if you think you could do better, prove it. Come, you know, come out and show us. Show us that you could do better. And, you know, and that, and that obviously leads to the question, could these fans do a better job? And I think if you straight up ask them, if you straight up ask someone like just Alex, formerly known as Delex Man, or JD from NY206, also part of House of Glory, HOG Wrestling, or Jason Solomon, the Solomonster Sounds Off, and House of Glory himself, as well as Good Mic Work and OTRS Central, if you were to ask them if they could do a better job booking uh, stars in a certain way and being creative with like storylines and stuff, they they would probably tell you, yeah, we we can be better than that. We could do better than than this guy. Or we could do better than that guy. It's and we'll show you. You know, here's here's how we would do it. You know, that's on honestly, they would come out and tell you that. They would say, yeah, we could do better, and we can do better. Give us a chance. We'll show. We can do it. And I don't. Here's the thing. You know, as much as I'm stumbling over my words here, trying to think about what I'm going to say next, because I'm also checking up on, also checking out on things or doing things or just getting back from a little bit of a break there. Um, honestly, when it comes to fans believing that they could do a better job, because some fans like, let's say, Alex and JD and O2R Central and even Solomonster have come out and said, you know, have come out on the uh, reviews, the podcast, if you will, and they have basically said, hey, look, I just planned out the first, the next few months with, for you with this storyline and how it could go and what, you know, and, you know, like, like, okay, what I'm trying to say is there have been several times that I've seen these individuals do something like, let's say, just Alex. You know, I've been watching Alex for a long time, I've been watching his YouTube channel for a long time. And Alex has. Many times, when he feels that a situation could be done in a better way, he has come out and basically said, "Hey, look, I just he would take whatever the situation he felt was he that he felt was needed to be fixed, if you will, and he would say, "Hey, look, see, 
I just fixed it for you. I just planned out the next few months for you leading up to so-and-so pay-per-view. And the reason he would say that, the reason he would do something like that is because he believes he could do a better job. You know, so when you, so if you follow someone like just Alex on YouTube and during his reviews, he says, oh, this is dumb. It has potential, but it's dumb, but I could fix it. And here's how it could lead into something. He'll do it. He'll literally say, this is how you do this. This is how it connects to this, da, da, da. And this is your payoff. He basically will come out, like I said, and say, I just planned. And by doing so, he'll come out, like I just said, Ed, and basically proclaim or say, yeah, um, I just planned out the next several months for you leading into a closure match or, you know, an end goal uh, at the ne- at your next big pay-per-view. And, you know, he's not the only one. He's not the only one. JD from NY206 has given examples of what could be done correctly. So is OTRS Central. So is uh, uh, Jason Solomon. Solomon's the sounds off. You know, Greg Mike, Greg Morgan, a, my, a good mic work. Brian Zane of Wrestling with Regret. You know, they have all, in their own unique way, kind of given an idea of, hey, look, we could do a better job than you guys can. So getting back onto the question of the top, going, getting back onto the question of the topic is if given a chance, do these hardcore and casual fans that all kind of feel this way, besides the ones I just mentioned, do they all feel that they could do a better job if given that chance? If they're given, if Vince McMahon or Triple H was to take them aside right now and say, for this one night of paper, for this one night night of Raw only, for this one night only, we're giving you the book, do what you want to do with it. Would they be able to, you know, do the better job? We don't know. You know, maybe they feel, you know, even though they come out and say that they can, could, if given the task for one night, could they do it? Could they do it for like, if someone like a Vince or a Hunter gave them the books to Raw, gave them the book to SmackDown, gave them the book to a pay-per-view and said, okay, the floor is yours. Show us, show us what you can do. Would they be able to do a better job? Hard to say. Because... Here's the other thing. Here's, here's kind of the negative about it. There are those that, like I mentioned earlier, counter-argue what a Just Alex or JD or an OTR Central would say, A, when how they feel about something not going in a certain direction or, you know, should be going or a superstar being booked in a certain way that they should be instead of another way. Um, some people that counter-argue them and try to say, look, you're making a big deal out of nothing, da-da-da. Basically, some of those kind of people, in just my opinion, would be like, well, if this person was given a chance even for one night to book a show like a pay-per-view or a Raw or SmackDown, oh, yeah, they would push the people they feel that needs to be pushed, but they put them in matchups that only they would want to see because they're the hardcore fans. They want those... PWG and New Japan-like matches, and they would make sure that that happened. Like, they would go to a Ricochet and say, Ricochet, we brought in Adam Cole from NXT. You and him are going to have a match today, and you're going to get hard-hitting style, and it's going to go for several commercial breaks. In the first 30 minutes of, let's say, the second commercial break, we're going to get a pinfall attempt. Adam's going to kick out. He's going to hit you with a finisher. You're going to kick out. Oh, the match. It's going to be so great. That's what they feel. That's what people that counter-argue with, you know, how Deluxe Man, or just Alex, I should say, JD from NY206, OTR Essential, Greg Mike, 
Greg Morgan of Good Mike Work, Jason Solomon, Solomon Solomon off, and many others. That's how they counter. That's how they would see someone like them. That's how they would see these individuals that I just mentioned booking a show. They would book it the way they would see. They would have seen these guys on the independents because they believe that's how they should be booked. Now, again, getting back on topic here, because I know I sound like I'm rambling a little bit. If given this chance, if they were given a book, given the opportunity to book WWE uh, creatively uh, for at least maybe one night for one night, book certain stars a certain way, having them go over or shine or whatever and creatively storyline wise, what, you know, could they do a better job? Basically, that would be the question. Could they do a better job than WWE's current staff? I believe that some of them could. Yes, I do. But, 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 even though I believe some of them could probably do a better job than some of the members on the WWE's creative staff, I don't think they'd be able to do it. I don't think they'd be able to do a better job, an overall masterpiece. I'll put it that way. I think maybe like for certain segments, they'd be able to do a good job a better job than WWE's creative team. But I don't think overall they'd be able to really handle the responsibility. I think in the long run, what will happen, what could happen or would happen is they would understand. They would, be, they basically, at the end of the day, even if for one day, for one night, at the end of that mo, at the end of that night, at the end of that event, I believe those that come out here and complain about certain, you know, things not making sense or certain wrestlers, being directionless or buried, that I believe they would come out with a better understanding if given that one opportunity to book a, book a show in the way they feel it should be booked, that even though they might hit a home run, you know, with certain segments and matches here and there, that at the end of the day, they would have a better understanding and respect for what goes on creatively and be like, Oh, uh, and they'd probably be like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. I understand why this is happening. I may not like it, but now I have a better understanding." But overall, yeah, I believe not a hundred percent. Okay, but like I said, um. Not a hundred percent. Not like an overall. And I was just reading something there from a fellow YouTuber, Wild Hops. Just a message there. Uh, but anyway, I, I believe, like I said, I believe honestly they could do a better job than some of the members. But I don't think they could do an overall spectacular job. And like I said, even though it sounded like I rambled here on this topic, went all over the place, if you will. Um, I. I honestly believe if you were to ask people that counter-argue uh, some of the things they talk about, like some of the things they don't like they don't like seeing going on right now currently with the WWE product, those people, they would agree that, yeah, maybe they could do a, bit, a better job than some of the creative staff behind the scenes right now, but that overall the only reason they'd want to book this show, be given that one-night opportunity, is to book it the way they feel it should be booked, the way they would want it. You know, just like they would used to see them in other promotions, just like they would 
see certain things out of the promotions, they would want to see it here, and that's how they would book it. But could people, could these uh, hardcore and casual fans that come out and rant and vent and all that, and I say this with all due respect, could they do a better job? I think in some ways, yes, they could, but not, but overall, not really. Because again, I know I'm repeating myself here, but I believe if they were given a one night shot, that even though they would, could show that they have potential to do a better job with certain stars and certain segments and storylines, that at the end of the day, at the end of the night, at the end of the event, they would come out with a better appreciation and understanding of what's going on. So, yes, I do. So in the end, I, I do believe they could do a better job of than certain members, but I don't think they could overall handle the whole situation. So that's just my opinion. Now. So with that said, and I do apologize if I, went all, if I went all over the place with that. That was my fault. So our next topic here. Uh, next topic is one that a lot of people have been talking about, from John Campy, John Campa to Zara Nizarak, Sean McLean, and many others. And that is, is physical media. In fact, even James Rolfe talked about this, uh, a.k.a. the Angry Video Game Nerd. And that is, is physical media, and my finger just hit the mic there again, I do apologize, but is physical media coming to an end in favor of streaming slash digital? Now, in case you guys are wondering what that means, or what that question means, uh, basically for several years now, a lot of people have been uh, talking about the fact that streaming slash digital media is taking over. It's becoming more prominent over physical than anything else. That the only reason people buy physical movies, Blu-ray, 4K, whatever, is just so they can get the digital just so they can get the digital code and just have the movie on display as a decoration or something. And that might be true. That might be true because there are several movies that I have that I have gotten digitally. And there are some movies I don't have that I got digitally. So I understand. In fact, there are some movies I ended up getting digitally that I didn't buy the physical copy of because I got them because I purchased the physical copy of one movie. Uh, For example, what was it? Was it a Rocket Man, I think? I think it was Rocket Man. When I purchased that for my mom, I also got the movie Almost Famous as a com- as a companion piece. And then before that, when I got Ghost in the Shell, the one with Scarlett Johansson, I ended up getting Eon Flux, the live action movie, as a companion piece. So, you know, there you go. And yeah, there are some things I have, like I said, bought digitally that I didn't get physically. So... Because you can't get them, you know, otherwise, any other way besides, you know, digitally um, here and there. But um, honestly, though, honestly, though, I I get where, you know, some people are talking about, you know, where um, they, how do I put this? You know, where they just, you know, buy the movie for the code and they display the movie, 
you know, but as a decorative piece. I get that. Uh, but honestly, besides that, I, I think there was one thing that James said in a in his video, and I think a lot of people could agree with this. And that is basically the fact that, yes, even though streaming is very convenient because you have all the movies right there, um, there are a few things that James Rolfe brought up. James said that the one thing that he can look at as a takeaway from with streaming is the fact that nothing is order. Nothing is in order, like genre, like category, genre, whatever, or alphabetically, whatever. Nothing's in order. It's just like you got to scroll from one end to the other just to see you scroll from one end to the other if you're doing Amazon Prime or scroll up and down if you're doing something like VDU or Movies Anywhere just to find the movie you want to watch instead of having it right there in that category where it'd be like, oh, okay, this is where it's at. I'll get it right. I know where it's at. I know what general and category it's in. I'll get it right there. Uh, The other thing he talked about is the fact that, well, there are, how do I put this? There are less features, bonus features with streaming than there are with physical media. I mean, yes, there are bonus features, but most times, um, the other bonus features you want, you have to watch through the physical version of the movie. So James basically said in his video that there are advantages to streaming and all that, but there are disadvantages, and and that's where the physical media, whether it's DVD, Blu-ray, or 4K, comes into play. But Again, getting back on the topical question, is physical media dying? I don't think it is. I honestly don't think it is. And here's why. Because there's a lot of people that, yes, they will buy a movie. They will buy a movie for the digital code so they can watch it conveniently whenever they want. But they will also watch the movie on Blu-ray because of the fact that that's what they're used to watching it on. That's the way they're used to watching a movie ever since the days of VHS. They're used to popping the movie in to the player and watching it like that. And that, you know, even though they, and that even though they enjoyed the convenience of, you know, having a digital code, the convenience that they find that they enjoy out of it is being able to take that digital code and watch it on things like, and watch the, uh, movie or whatever on things like this while they're, let's say they're on a plane or they're driving or whatever. That's the only reason, you know, that's the only reason physical, oh, that's the only reason some people would say streaming digital, if you will, is very popular. It's the fact that you could watch your movie anywhere that you want. But here's the other disadvantage I don't think James or anybody else is bringing up. Even though you could get your movies digitally and watch them anywhere you want, yes, you have the convenience of downloading them offline, downloading them so you can watch them offline. But there's also the possibility of a lot of these services getting hacked or being shut down or something happening to where whatever movie collection you have digitally that you also have physically, that digital collection could go poof like that. It could go poof 
out of existence because there was a system hack, there was a system, there was a maintenance, or there was a hack in the system. Uh, the system suddenly crashed on their end, and that causes you to lose a lot of things. To even if you use the digital code again, it won't work. So, honestly, though, I so honestly, I don't think physical media is going away anytime soon. I think if anything, just like vinyl has been making a comeback, I think physical media overall, which vinyl is a part of, I think physical media is going to make a big comeback as well. Because, again, there's a lot of people, families, you name it, that are used to watching movies uh, in the way of just popping the disc into the player and watching it. And that's it. Because they're used to doing that with VHS. Now they're used to doing it with disc, and that's the more traditional way of doing it. Even though, that yes, they will agree, getting the digital code is a great way of being able to watch a movie on the go when you're somewhere else. That they, the one thing they will counter argue and say that the only thing that's different though is there's nothing like watching it as you used to as a kid growing up. And you want to pass that on to your kids or your grandkids and show them that, yeah, even though you know streaming's great, digital's great, guess what? There's nothing, nothing beats sitting back and watching a movie at home that you could, you know, just pop in like you, like we used to. So. Um, again, though, I don't think physical media is going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's going to stay around for the long haul. And I think it's going to make a huge comeback a lot sooner than you think. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I don't think physical media is going anywhere anytime soon. I really don't. All right, so let's get on to the next topic here. The next topic is the, trans- is the upcoming Transformers and My Little Pony Friendship in Disguise, as you can see in the back here, Friendship in Disguise uh, crossover being done by IDW. Yes, IDW Comics made the announcement around last month um, that two of its popular properties that they have in comic book form, Transformers and My Little Pony, both Hasbro properties, will be getting a crossover together. Uh, starting in May. In May, we will have a four-week, one-month, four-week uh, release of the crossover. Each a new is- a new issue every week, and that uh, these stories will be collected together uh, for a November trade paperback graphic novel release later on this year. And that's and and like I said, it'll be in the month of November. Uh, when that would happen, but in May we're going to get the first. We're going to get the crossover released weekly, and then in November all the weekly issues will be collected into one story. So, yeah, that's happening. That is indeed happening. And one of the questions is, what could come out of it? Well, I, I honestly believe, and this is just me, guys. I honestly believe that not only could IDW have a bestseller on their hands here for that for the month of May, but I think what could come out of this is an animated film. I really do. You, you don't believe me, but I do. I, I honestly think 
I honestly, th- I honestly think, and you can't put this past Hasbro because they have a studio, All Spark Animation. Do not put it past them and anybody, any animation studio they're associated with, whether it's Boulder Media or Toon Boom Studio, whatever. Don't put it past Hasbro to say, you know what? This was a hit in comic book form. Let's adapt it into an animated movie. So I believe what will come of this is we will get an animated movie adaption down the line. Don't know when that would happen, but I feel it's coming. And I think we may also, later down the line, get a toy line that ties into it. I think so. I think, I think honestly, as we get towards November and they get ready, ready to release the graphic novel or the trade paperback version of the four-week crossover uh, event in May, I think to tie into that, we might get some my, we might get some hybrid My Little Pony Transformers uh, figures, toy sets, collectibles coming out. I really do, because if Hasbro sees this crossover selling out and making a lot of money, they're going to want to capitalize on it and do more. And whether or not doing an animated movie adaptation, which is a possible strong possibility, but also doing toys. So also doing some figures, collectibles, if you will. So that's what I believe could come out of this crossover if it's a, if it's a success, and I believe it will be. But something else I want to talk about when it comes to this crossover, and that is why some people don't get why it's happening at all. <laughs> okay, so you're probably wondering why I brought that up, why that's part of this topic. Okay. So... Back on Saturday, back on uh, Sunday, back on Sunday, my mom had to come back and get me. I didn't go to church, but she had to come back and get me. She went to the store after church, then came back and got me. And we went down to what's known as the fruit yard um, in Modesto. It's on the outskirts of Modesto, kind of like a borderline Modesto, Empire, Turlock, you name it. So we went to the fruit yard, spent time with family, celebrating my second oldest sister's 43rd birthday. That's my second oldest sister and her 43rd birthday. And I was sitting next to my older sister, our oldest sister. And my older sister, she likes to tease me about my, you know, my fandom for My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic and all that. She also knows I'm a Transformer fan. She's always known that since we were kids. So I have this. So I'm looking at my phone and I have my screensaver. This is my unlock picture. This is the uh, picture I have that is on my phone before I unlock it. And she says, and she points out, why do you have these characters, these two female characters on your phone? And I explained to her it's because they're, they're doing a comic book. There's a comic book crossover happening. I said, ask, I say, ask the comic book people. There's a crossover that they're doing that's coming. And my sister, when I told her that it's because they're doing a crossover, that the comic books are doing a crossover, she's like, why are they doing It's like, what sense does that make? Why is that even happening? And honestly, she has a legitimate point or she asked a legitimate question because there are some people even in someone's own family that don't get the idea of why are they doing a crossover with transformers in my little pony that these are 
basically when she said that doesn't make sense, she's basically saying that's like oil and water. It don't mix. But it's happening. They have a synopsis as to why it's happening. So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I told her, hey, ask the comic book people. Ask the comic book people that question. Because I think that's honestly what a lot of people have to do. Talk to IDW Comics, talk to Hasbro, and ask them, why are you doing this crossover? It don't make sense. <laughs> it's like oil and water being mixed. So, so yeah, you know, there are people that are still wondering that. And I'm sure a lot of fans out there, both Transformers and Friendship is Magic, My Little Pony, are being asked the same thing by family and friends. You know, like, why are they doing a crossover? It don't make sense. It does not make sense. So, so yeah. So yeah, I had that happen and that's why I brought that's why I wanted to discuss this as part of as part of this uh as part of the topic here because there are people that still don't get it. They don't know they don't know why it's happening even though that like I said there's a synopsis for it. They don't get why it's happening. So yeah, but anyway, like I said, what I feel coming out of it out of this crossover should it be a success and I definitely think it will be is you'll probably will probably get an animated movie adaption down the line. And I think come November when they get the trade paperback up and going, the 96 page one, that Hasbro will take a look at that as an opportunity, knowing it's also around the holiday season, and they'll be like, let's get some toys out there. Let's get some collectibles out there to tie into it. So don't put it past Hasbro not to do that because they will. All right, the next topic we're going to talk about here is the Tangled series finale. Now, I've come out here recently, about a few days ago, and I, I talked about in response to Watso Videos, Isaac of Watso Videos, a video that he did on Cassandra taking over Corona. I think I think that's the name of it. Oh, Calidor? What was it? Yeah, Corona. And um, basically, he was talking about this because he, he does a video um, every Tuesday after the uh, Tangled episode comes on. So he did one on Tangled on the on the, the second to last episode. And I did a response video. And I said, she's going to get redeemed. I said that Cassandra in the finale is going to be redeemed. It's going to be the ultimate sacrifice of the ultimate redemption. And in a sense, it was because she basically died temporarily. She basically pulled a Eugene like Eugene did in the movie. He died and Rapunzel had to use what was left of her magic hair, use the ultimate incarnation of it, uh, not incarnation, but incantation of it. Rapunzel had to use the ultimate incantation of it to not only heal Cassandra and bring her back to life, but to restore Corona back to its glory, back to the way it was before Zantane, or Zantane, Zantane Zantana, if you will, uh, took over. And as far as the finale goes, I think it went for an hour. I didn't see it. I did not see it, guys, so I will say that. But I think it went for an hour. And honestly... I'm going to straight up say it. 
honestly, even though I didn't see it, from what people are saying, the reaction people are giving it, and the clips that are being shown on various video sites, um, I have to say it looks good. I have to say it looked really... I have to say that the show went off... The show ended with a bang. It ended on a high note. It ended with basically a happily ever after. Because it did answer a lot of questions fans had. Uh, it did, like I said, it did answer a lot of questions that fans had about, okay, if this is supposed to take place, if the series was supposed to take place between the movie and the Tangle Ever After short, where is Cassandra in the wedding? Why, is she, why isn't she there? We get an explanation. Basically, she's going on a journey of self-discovery and also redemption, in my opinion. And honestly, honestly, I think it's the best direction to go. You know, I, I think it's uh, honestly the. I think it's the best direction they could have gone with uh, when it comes to this. Uh, when it comes to the story, I really do, um, because when you think about it, and that's the noon whistle going off. If you hear anything in the background, uh, when you think about it, when Cassandra turned her back on Rapunzel initially. A lot of people are wondering why is she doing this now? Why is this happening? And even though, from what I understand, they tried to give the best explanation going on, that she was manipulated by this Zantani, the Zantani spirit into believing this and that and da-da-da. Um, you know, I think, honestly, for any of us that saw that portrayal happen at the end of, I think, season two into this final season... I think we all knew, honestly, she would be redeemed because why would you, why would you, and this was an episode that won, I think, an Annie Award. It won an Annie Award. Why would you take an episode where basically the characters get transformed into birds and Rapunzel basically sacrifices her freedom, her chance to be human again, to restore her friends, restore her friends, including Cassandra, back to human, well, she remains a bird, or basically almost remained a bird and became more bird than human. Basically, where you have that moment where Cassandra's holding her in her hand, and she's just and she's coming completely bird, and she just chirps and goes like "tweet," like "do I know you?" kind of deal. And why would you take a character like that that's weeping for her friend to be restored through a duex machina just moments later does get restored? Why would you have her weep for her? Why would you have Cassandra betray that same friend if she was weeping for her in that episode? I don't get it. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you have her betray them if you weren't planning to redeem her? You see, if there's anything about the finale that people might have problems with overall, it's the fact that they knew Cassandra was going to get redeemed throughout the entire final season. They knew it. They knew that Cassandra was going to get redeemed and that the whole, and that 
they saw it coming a mile away, even when she betrayed Rapunzel. And even though you put her through the, even though you put both through these obstacles and everything, everybody knew she was going to redeem herself because basically, why would she in the previous season cry for the fact that her friend nearly lost her humanity to save her and the others? Why would she betray her at the end of that? You know, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, honestly, besides that being a nitpick, of it, it is a nitpick to people. And I know I sound like I rambled there for a bit, so I do apologize. Um, I don't think, I don't think the series finale was bad. I think it was good. You know, just from what I've seen to the various video clips spread throughout the social media, I thought the finale ended in a big, in a, like I said, I think it ended with a bang. I think it ended the right way. Uh, you're having, you give an explanation as to why Cassandra's not at the wedding. You have Cassandra setting out to do self-discovery and redeem herself ultimately for everything she's done. And... I think it's a good close. I think it's good closure. Uh, to I think it's definitely a good closure to this chapter of the tangled story, because your last chapter, your epilogue chapter, is the wedding. So, um, overall, uh, overall, again, you know, I think, I think the only nitpick or the uh, takeaway is people saw the redemption coming. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They had an idea. But they saw it coming because it's like, again, you go back to the previous seasons and how they got along and how they were there for each other and how Cassandra was heartbroken that she was losing a friend, could be losing a friend forever to bird form, to being nothing but a bird now. You know, it's like, why would you have her betray that same friend? You know, why would you have her do that if she wasn't going to be redeemed? So... Overall, though, I think I think it was a, overall the story was pretty good. I mean, the series overall, from beginning to end, from season one to this season, told a consistent story. It really did. It really touched upon, you know, why you know why uh, Rapunzel got her hair back. You know, you know why her hair was restored. You know what its meaning was. You know what its connection was to the Moonstone. You know, where uh, Gothel, what role Gothel played in all this. And obviously, when you listen to Zatani or Zatana speak to Cassandra when she's holding her up like this, it's almost like you could tell that Zatana manipulated Gothel as well. It's like Gothel, the only reason she acted the way she does was she, she was manipulated and brainwashed by Zatana, or whatever the name of the creature was. So, Overall, though, uh, the finale, not bad. And um, can't, you know, can't wait to see what, you know, the, I, here's the thing. You look at the Tangle finale. You look at the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic finale. You talk about two shows originally meant for girls. And that's what they were, originally meant for girls. Basically being, becoming all gender, all ages, pop culture phenomenons. You talk about two series ending on a high note. These two series did that. 
And all I can say from a Disney perspective is DuckTales. If this season is the last season, because they're bringing in all the stops, all the Disney afternoon characters and stuff. They got a high hill to climb. They have a high hill. They have a high bar to surpass. They have a high hill to climb when it comes to having a de- having an overall decent mega series finale. So, because I think from a Disney perspective, Tangle just set the bar. So, <laughs> um, anyway, though, that's all I'm going to say on the Tangle series finale. I know I sounded like I rambled a little bit there. I do apologize. Just wanted to get my overall thoughts on it and uh, go from there. And no, I have not seen the movie yet. I want to see it. Hopefully, I'll see it this weekend. Uh, so, the next topic. Next topic, number nine. Team season and the connection to the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base. Okay, so team season. In case you guys don't know who team season is, team season um, is a group that's been going on for quite some time. No, actually, they do have a website. It's sonicsatam.com. That's sonic, S-A-T-A-M.com. And basically, and basically, um, team season, uh, for the past several years, recently over the past several years, has been working, excuse me, has been working on. Producing, creating, animating, and casting and recording vocally for the lost, for the lost uh, third season. Yeah, that is what they've been doing. They've been, uh, they've been doing a lot of this. It's a fan fund now. A project. Is a fan-funded um, is a fan-funded um, um, so the the project is a fan-funded endeavor. They've gone through the Patreon. They've gone through other means because what they want to do is they want to try to get the long-lost third season on. On the air, either it's through, either whether or not it's free through YouTube and the YouTube channel, or they get some kind of distribution on something like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. Um, they are very passionate about this. They are very passionate about this because they feel that, like a lot of us that have been fans of the series. Which, ironically, think about it this way, between February and May of this year marks 25 years since the series officially was canceled. Yeah. That's how long it's been. So for the past 25 years, they feel like a lot of us fans have felt very passionate about the fact that, hey, we need to get the third season up and running. We need to know what happens. Now, they do... Now they have 
and still currently produce a web comic called Season. And basically, uh, my speculation is that the Season animated series, the or the Season animated, yeah, the Season animated series is going to be based around that as well. It's going to be based around that um, as well, to where uh, basically you're going to get the an episode where it's kind of like a prologue episode, I would guess. Again, just speculation. Uh, the Freedom Fighters celebrating the victory and everything, getting ready to take place, uh, take back uh, Robotropolis and make it into Mobotropolis again. And then I think the rest of the story, the rest of the series and episodes are going to be based around uh, the comics, the web comic uh, that they did for season, for season three. Uh, because unfortunately, it did not get, like I said, for officially animated and released back when it should have been. So, so yeah, um, so yeah, team season, and that's S E A three. Numeral three O N. Um, they've been working on this, like I said, for the past several years. They've been getting a lot of um, contributions through the Patreon and I think Indiegogo and stuff like that uh, to try to get a lot of the things going. As a matter of fact, I think as of last month, which was around February nineteenth, I think. Yeah, it's right here, February nineteenth. I'm going to read the thread here. It says that as of February 19th, last month, at 3.12 p.m. Pacific time, that they have reached over $400 a month on their Patreon. As they start transitioning into production, these funds are going to be a lot of help. They thank all the Patreon uh, Patreoners from the bottom of the from the bottom of the heart, or a lot of the Patreon backers from the bottom of the hearts. It says, if we're not a Patreon, become one to see tons of behind-the-scenes artwork in progress. So, yeah. So, yeah, basically, they are going through the Patreon. So, basically, they're using Patreon to um, make this happen. I think they also have they have other fan funding means to help them um, as well. But yeah, their main goal, Team Season, um, their main goal is to get the long lost Season 3 uh, up and running. Like I said, either it's through YouTube free on their channel or it's distributed with the blessing of Sega on places like Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Hulu. Because they feel, they feel that, that because they feel that if they can reach that wider audience through Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, if they can appeal to that wider audience to at least give this season a chance, then who knows what will come of it? Who knows what else we may get out of it? So that's basically what team season is. That That is what team season is. They are basically trying to get that long lost third season of Sonic Sat AM, Sonic the Hedgehog Sat AM, up and running. They already have done some, they've already have a promotional uh, animated sequence. They have an animated sequence already uh, up and running on their channel that promotes the Patreon. They have some behind the scenes voice work 
uh, film that you could check out, and a lot of WIPs, works in progress, sketches, and all that up on the YouTube channel as well. So yeah, that's what the, that's who they are. And again, the part of uh, Sonic Satam, which is also known as Fans United for Satam, FUS. And if that sounds familiar, that's because those are the people behind that were behind the release of the complete series of Sonic Satam, courtesy of Shout Factory, back in 2007. That's about 13 years ago this month. It's hard to believe. So, yeah, that's who they are. So, if you're interested, check out the Patreon. It's teams. It's at Team Season. That's S-E-A, numeral three, uh, zero N. I mean, O-N, I should say. Check them out. If you want to contribute, go ahead. Um, it'll be worth it, I think. I think it'll really be worth it in the end. Because I believe before this year's out, we might get something that we could actually watch for at least 15 minutes to kind of get an idea of what we're going to get. So that's about it on that topic, guys. And now the last topic we are going to talk about here, the last topic we are going to talk about, um, if you will, is 19 is it's 2020. And you know what that means? We have two movies celebrating major anniversaries this year. First up, we have a goofy movie as of this month, this time period, the spring season period. It has been 25 years. Yes, 25 years ago, a goofy movie debuted in theaters. And a goofy movie, basically, as Doug Walker, a.k.a. Nostalgia Critic, pointed out one time, is actually Goof Troop the movie. The only difference is you don't have the Goof Troop name, but you do have most of the cast, except for Peg and Pistol and the Pets. It's of both families, not in the film, but you have a majority of the rest of the cast, along with new characters like Bobby, voiced by Polly Shore, uh, Max's love interest, Roxanne, voiced by Kelly Martin, and Roxanne's best friend, Je- uh, best friend Stacy, voiced by Jenna Von Oy of Blossom fame. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I loved this movie. I still do. I still love this movie. Um, basically, when I heard it was coming out, I was excited because you know how I first found out this was happening? When Disney Channel would still release or still mail out the Disney Channel magazine. Yeah. You see, I was living with my dad at the time, and Disney Channel, I think, was still... I think Disney Channel was still in its... Was still a primary... A premium service, a premium channel. But I think it was slowly going away from that and just being a regular basic channel to where... Okay, you had to buy a certain package to have it, but you didn't have to. But it wasn't like an HBO or Showtime or anything. It basically was now like a regular channel. But it was still in its, uh, but it was still basically in its final years of being a premium service to where they would send out a magazine uh, to its subscribers or its customers or the cable customers anyway that had it. And Basically, uh, basically, 
that's how I found out about the fact that a Goofy movie was happening. They had this little advertisement on the bottom of the magazine, on one of the pages of the magazine, which I still have. I still have it stored away somewhere because I cut that out of a Goofy movie happening. And it was a behind-the-scenes look of it. And I was just happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, Goofy? And I saw who the characters was, and I was thinking, and I saw, and the image basically was of Goofy and Max, and I'm thinking, oh, shoot, they're doing a Goof Troop movie. And I saw it, and I loved it. I thought it was good. Again, the only thing was you didn't have all of the cast. You just had, like, the four main male cast members along with these new characters. But it was good. It was really good. And I remember seeing it. I think it was at this. It was at the Westridge Eight. Yeah, it was at the Westridge Mall Eight Theater, or Westridge Eight, as it was known, in Topeka, Kansas. And then I saw it a second time at Gauge Four, which was a dollar theater uh, in Topeka as well. So saw it twice. Really enjoyed it, and um, I really enjoyed it. When it came out on VHS, bought the VHS, came out on the DVD, bought the DVD. And then thanks to a friend, Frank Hill, finally got the Blu-ray um, as well. And of course, added it to my queue on Disney+. Plus. So really, really enjoyed this movie. Thought it was great. Um, and I was happy that they did a sequel five years later. And I, what I liked about them doing the sequel is they did it in real time. And what I mean is they kept the... They did it, and what I mean by real time is basically it takes place exactly five years later after the first film. Thus, it gives you the idea of, oh, Max is now grown up and he's going to college, which he was. So I like that aspect. And then around this time, 30 years ago, we had the live action theatrical release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I remember my oldest sister took me, I think she took my cousin as well, uh, who I'm about, what is he? My cousin was born in what, 83, 84, 83? About four years older though. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm about four years older than her. She took us to go see it at the Southland Mall, at the Southland Mall in, in Hayward. And I loved it. Could not get enough of it. Could not get enough of this film. This was great. And this was at a time, I think in 1990, where my family and I, we were living on the border of San Lorenzo, or San Lorenzo and Hayward, and we were living on Micklin Avenue. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. We were living on Micklin Avenue, and I think we were close. Not, not too close, but we were close enough to the mall. Basically, we still had to be driven down there, but we were close. And I loved it. I loved watching this movie. Could not get enough. And that Christmas, got it on VHS. And of course, DVD came around, got it on DVD. When Blu-ray, of course, got it on Blu-ray with the other movies. I loved it. I really loved it. And it still holds up to this day. I'm kind of surprised there's no announcement right now of the fact that it's 30 years and they're not going to put it out in theaters for at least a one night or one weekend showing. So, 
So, so, you know, my question is why, why aren't they doing that? It's a classic. It's a phenomenal classic. You know, should at least give it a one week, one night showing in theaters. You know, that's what I think. You know, give people that that heard about, you know, give those of a new generation of TMNT fans an opportunity to know what it was like where we came from to see it on the big screen. But, but honestly, though, yeah, I remember watching it on the big screen. I remember the following year watching the second movie on the big screen. The only one I didn't see on the big screen was the third movie. I watched the fourth movie, which was the CGI one, which kind of tied into the first three, uh, in my opinion. But I didn't see the third one on the big screen. I did see the third one, but I didn't see the third. Didn't see it in theaters. The other three I did. But uh, yeah, thirty years ago, I remember watching it on the big screen at the Southland Mall theaters with my sister and my cousin. Really enjoyed it. I think we saw it twice. I'm not really sure. And I'll never forget that movie. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Never. And, you know, I I actually bought it, believe it or not, because I I spoke about earlier about, I, I talked about earlier about the whole physical media, streaming stuff and all that. TMNT was the, the 1990 film was the only one I bought so far on digital. One of the only ones I bought so far on digital, uh, along with Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. But the 1990 TMNT film was the other one I bought on digital because even though I have it on Blu-ray as well, you know, there was no digital code to go along with it. <laughs> um, anyway, though, yeah, 30 years ago, Mimbo sitting in theaters watching it and really enjoying it. And I was 10 at the time. I was just going on 11 a few months later but really enjoyed the movie uh, back then. Couldn't get enough of it. So, yeah, 2000, so yeah, 2020 marks the 25th anniversary of a Goofy movie and the 30th anniversary of the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. And if you have them, I would say take time out and watch them to celebrate the anniversaries. And who knows, maybe we'll get an announcement, at least one, if not both of them, getting a one weekend or one night showing in the theaters to celebrate these anniversaries. But anyway, though, guys, that's pretty much going to do it for this version or this edition of Topics on My Mind. Thank you all for watching. Uh, I do apologize if I rambled a lot, but these are going off. But these thoughts and everything that I have are going off the top of my head. They're unscripted, uncut, and on the fly. Or on the fly, I should say. So, again, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for joining me in the chat room in the live chat. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you all later. So until then, guys, God bless. Take care. And you might hear this in podcast form later on. So again, take care. God bless. And I am out. Have a good rest of the day. And there will be more videos to come. Be sure to tune in for those.